Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Totally Football Show, European edition. Today, Benevento's shock. You may see the other side of the pillow, and it definitely isn't cool. Plus, Barcelona, reports of their demise greatly exaggerated. Lewandowski, bigger than good. Sevilla, working pro bono. And that Lorient free kick, genius, or garage forecourt match ball supplies. All that and more, incredibly enough, discussed in this Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Yeah, hello there, listener. It is March the 23rd as we come to you with the Totally Football Show European Edition featuring Alvaro Romeo. Hello, Alvaro. Hello, James. Julian Laurence. Hello, Julian. Hi, James. Raphael Honigstein. Over here, Rafa. Hello, James. Nice to see you. And also with us, James Horncastle. Hello, guys. Hello. Uh, James, whose article today on Juventus Gives us today's word, which is concatenation. Concaten- Are they having their qualifiers this week? <laughs> yeah, we'll have to see whether they make what the uh, Nations League D or something like that. Was. Right. Concatenation featuring in your excellent article about what's going on with the old lady. We'll be touching on that major topic soon enough, but there's plenty on our uh, agenda today including last friday's fun at the european house of football with the champions league and europa league draws remember it's swiss league style these days jules (laughs) (laughs) basel against young boys (laughs) (laughs) jules you wanted chelsea um for psg will will Bayern do it's not that i wanted chelsea i I thought that the the karma and the destiny will bring tuchel and psg together again and that tuchel will knock out psg which um, would have been a great story. I asked him after he beat Atletico Madrid if he wanted PSG in the draw on Friday and, and he, he was quite emotional. He said, he laughed and said, I, I don't think so. I don't want them. They, they're very good. I know them so well. So I really believe that he, he would have rather avoided them than, than not. So he was happy in the end. For Bayern, I don't think they, they're just, I don't think there's a worse uh, draw than that. Maybe City, I, I I'm not even sure because of what happened uh, in the final last in August. I even think that Bayern is a worse draw than City for PSG because of everything that that final will bring back. I don't even buy the oh, it's, you know, it's a revenge thing. I don't think it works like this. So it's the worst draw possible. I guess the second leg is in Paris. Maybe that's the only little thing that we have for us. But it'd be a hell of a of a couple of games, though. What do you think, Rafa? Yeah, second leg will be in Paris or Budapest or Bucharest. Yeah, um, true. <laughs> I'm not happy uh, personally. I think uh, also for Bayern is probably the worst draw, with the exception of City, who they could still face in the semi-final. So yeah, it's not what it's not what um, I think the respective representatives wanted, but it's a good one for the neutrals. Indeed, the winner of the PSG Bayern clash 
will play Man City, or technically it could be Dortmund who are going to be playing uh, City in the quarter-final. When are we getting we- to the Italian clubs, James? Yeah, how was, <laughs> Next how was, season. How was the assignment for you, Horny? <laughs> Good draw. <laughs> the Europa about- League draw is where it's at. We've already established on this show that it has a better anthem or a underrated anthem. And yeah, mm. I mean, luckily there is uh, there's so many Italian teams in that competition as well. Yeah, <laughs> Roma who'll be playing Ajax. We'll, we'll be talking talking about the Europa League draw. That's a treat I'm saving for a little bit later. But Rafa, what what about City with Jaden Sancho against his former club and hey Erling Haaland against his future club perhaps? Ah, uh, possibly. I mean, we hope that Jaden Sancho will be back because he's currently injured and uh, doing rehab in Dubai, which is a nice line that uh, our colleague David Ornstein revealed in his column on on Monday. Uh, and Dortmund are a little bit worried that he might not make it um, for the first leg at least because it's uh, apparently a very complicated hamstring injury. So. Hopefully, hopefully he'll be there. Haaland will certainly be there, but as you said, maybe not for much longer because Dortmund had a bad result in the Bundesliga. They might not make fourth spot. And uh, if they were to miss out on the Champions League, then I think that could have major repercussions. So a big a big few weeks coming up for them because they just before the City game, they play Frankfurt in a classic six-pointer. Frankfurt are four points ahead of them in fourth spot. If Dortmund don't win or lose, which would be worse, of course, then that fourth spot looks very, very difficult for them. Mm. Some huge games uh, when the leagues return from the international break. You've got PSG who will be taking on Lille and Bayern will be up against RB Leipzig. But just to finish off the Champions League draw, the other side of the, the picture has Porto and Chelsea. If Chelsea get through that, woohoo! They'll be facing whoever wins in the other quarterfinal, which is Real Madrid against Liverpool. Real Madrid against Liverpool. 2018 final rematch. Ahoy. Mo versus Sergio Ramos all over again. Alvaro. Jack Lang last week on Totally was saying, yeah, I'd, I'd love to get Real Madrid in the draw. I think anyone would. So what about it? Is there anything to fear from the Moringis? I wouldn't speak uh, with such a disrespect about Real Madrid really uh, who wants to play against Real Madrid and why uh, I know that uh, they are third in La Liga but at the same time they've got still uh, eight or seven of the best players in the world especially uh, the center backs and the midfielders and the striker himself and even the goalkeeper so you can really say that if uh, in football there are four lines goalkeeper defending midfielders and strikers the only place where Real Madrid doesn't have um, you know, three players who make the difference, only one, uh, Karim Benzema at the minute, uh, is up front. But, uh, you know, that midfield that Real Madrid has alone, uh, Tony Cross, Luka Modric, Casemiro, is a midfield for history. I mean, uh, they, the way they played against Atalanta, the way they controlled that game, that was a masterclass. And Real Madrid has done it so many times in Europe that I think that we still have to believe in them. I think that Liverpool, if they are at their best, uh, and this season they have been sometimes, for example, when they beat Atalanta in Bergamo or uh, when they beat Crystal Palace as well in the Premier League, uh, when they are at their best, they are a better team than Real Madrid are now. And I think that Real Madrid wouldn't want to lose the control in this game. I think that this is going to be the key element for Real Madrid. If Modric was magisterial um, against Atalanta, if uh, Casemiro and, and if Cross managed to 
get the game under control, to make sure that nothing accelerates too much. I think that the, the game is going to be really competitive and uh, I give a 50% chance to Real Madrid to qualify as well. And there are some players who are actually improving a lot as well that nobody expected because they are a little bit peripheral, not only geographically in the pitch, but also in the squad, the likes of Lucas Vázquez. Also a player like Vinicius, uh, who is playing really, really well lately. He was about to score a stunner against Atalanta. Um, Nacho as well, uh, he's been uh, making the difference in defense as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's not the best moment for Real Madrid in the last five years. Of course it's not. But they are definitely back to their solid best. In between um, the games against Liverpool, Real Madrid plays El Clásico as well against Barcelona. And this may affect Real Madrid as well because they wouldn't be able to rotate or to rest any players against Barcelona because they are still involved in the title race. Quick word on Europa League. We'll get into these games a little bit more later on. But briefly, on one side of the draw, you've got Granada taking on Man United with Ajax against Roma in the other quarterfinal. And then on the other side, it's Dinamo Zagreb against Villarreal. And the winner of that game will be facing either Arsenal or Slavia Prague. So it could be Unai Emery against Arsenal in the semi-finals. Anyway, we'll talk more about the Europa League as the occasion demands in this show. But next up, let's get some moments of the weekend. Moments of the weekend, courtesy of Paddy Power. Jules, let's start with you. Has to be PSG winning away at Lyon, James. The first time this season, they beat one of the other teams from the top four. Uh, and they did it so con- convincingly as well. Fantastic performance for 17 minutes before they, they took the eye of the ball. But very convincing and they're back at the top now. Lovely stuff, Rafa. I'm torn, James, between two moments of the week. One, I guess, would be Bayern's performance or their comeback, if you will. Having had Alfonso Davis sent off after 12 minutes to then... <laughs> went on to beat Stuttgart, a very good Stuttgart team, 4-0 with Robert Lewandowski scoring another hat-trick and looking very, very good once more. But as far as sort of the the most amusing or, uh, you know, fun moment of the weekend was concerned, I think it has to be the own goal for Robert Andrich from FC Union against uh, Frankfurt. Worth checking out. Uh, it's a, It's a great one where um, you know, the player has the ball in midfield almost. He looks back at the goalkeeper and passes back. But the goalkeeper has done the sensible thing, which is to move next to his goal because that's where you're supposed to pass the ball back. But he passes it straight at the goal and it sort of just trickles in from about 40 yards out. It's a really good one. Bundesliga has the best own goals. Uh, I, I feel. Always. totally agree with that. Oh, all right. Uh, James? Well, I think it has to be uh, Super Pippo um, with the greatest uh, result of his managerial career and also the greatest result in in Benevento's history, uh, going to the Allianz Stadium, which used to be such a fortress and uh, I think deservedly uh, beating uh, the champions with a a dogged performance. Mm, A dogged performance against the GOAT, as we'll be hearing. And Alvaro... (laughs) It has to be Lionel Messi again. I know that uh, we speak uh, a lot about this little boy, but uh, he became the player who has played uh, more games for Barcelona this weekend after uh, he started Atanoeta against Real Sociedad, surpassing Xavi Hernández. So Lionel Messi has played now a record 768 games for Barcelona and uh, he is their best ever scorer. So you wonder which other record is left for him to break at the club. Sure, he'll find something. Excellent. We'll be hearing much more about those as we roll through the show. 
the Totally Football Show European Edition's Moment of the Weekend. Brought to you by Paddy Power. Defences may be looking shaky at the moment, but Paddy's offers are rock solid. If one leg of your 4 plus fold acker lets you down, get a free bet. Max free bet £10, minimum odds 1 to 5 per leg, online exclusive, no shot bets, T's and C's apply, 18 plus, be gamble aware.org. Come in questo caso con Gaic, il tiro, il gol del vantaggio del Benevento, il tutto al 24esimo con un rinvio sbagliato, Gaic ha trovato l'opportunità. Italy and the big game in Turin, relegation strugglers Benevento, managed by former Juventus star Pippo Inzaghi, who were fresh from a 4-1 beating from crisis hit Fiorentina just last weekend and without, in fact, Benevento, a win in 11 matches, visiting the Italian champions, Juventus. James, what was the moment you knew it was going to go badly? Was it when Andrea Agnelli was pictured grinning with Ronaldo and that greatest of all time jersey before kickoff? I thought that was quite inauspicious. Um, 770 to commemorate passing uh, the landmark of of Pelé's all-time goals and then not Cristiano on the back, but as you say, Greatest of all time. And the greatest of all time, who got a hat-trick last year, uh, last week, sorry, against Cagliari, couldn't score this time uh, against uh, against Benevento. Even they had, what, nine shots, those free kicks going into the wall. I think, again, showing that all is not well uh, at Juventus, certainly in terms of uh, their rookie coach being able to kind of get his ideas across. He says that, uh, he said after the game, Pirlo, that, uh, clearly, uh, he's not getting into their heads in the way that he he would like. Um, worryingly, I suppose echoes of, of Lampard as well at Chelsea in terms of it's the, it's the players' responsibility. They're the ones who are making mistakes, um, and uh, there's nothing wrong with the kind of game plan that they prepared. Um, and I, I do think there's this feeling, this inability to improvise as well in games. Which it was quite curious that Max Allegri who had not uh, been heard from or seen in a very long time, was on Sky Italia's uh, roundup show last night, in which he said, one of the points he made was like, you know, people ask me all the time, like, you know, how do you become a coach? Um, and he's like, well, there isn't a course really that teaches it. Um, you know, you you have to manage the unpre- the unforeseen, the unpredictable. The game plan that you come up with on the Saturday can go out the window within five minutes on a Sunday, and that's where managers are really judged. And I think ultimately, Pirlo is is maybe a little bit lacking in that regard. Well, moment. that's something that, of course, the man who beat him this weekend, Pepo Inzaghi, has been through. He himself, a teammate of Pirlo's at, at Milan in Italy. Uh, they won the Champions League together, got that massive job at Milan. That went very badly. He failed in his kind of second City job at Bologna. But here he is with Benevento with very limited means, taking four points this season off La Signora. And what a strike for the win by Adolfo Gaige. Yeah, uh, Benevento are the, the, the team that has a Benito in it and also an Adolfo. Um, nice. So, well, they need uh, is a Nigel to complete the <laughs> <laughs> but yes, guys, they 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 signed in in January um, from I think uh, I think maybe Seska Moscow. Uh, he'd been up front for Argentina's on the twenties at the World uh, at the World Cup, but hadn't really had a, a successful spell in Europe. It didn't really work out for him in Russia. Um, but he's got a couple of goals since since joining, and, and this one was was the biggest yet. And again, another inexplicable mistake um, from from a Juventus player. Um, you know, as much as as Pirlo highlights the fact that his, his players keep making these errors, it is uh, quite astounding, really, when you see, for example, in the first leg against Porto, Bentancur 
um, passing it straight to Taremi to, to score the goal. You see Kulusevsky uh, with a silly back pass that let Lazio in and they were able to come back and win that game. But still, another mistake costing him. And this time, this this pass from Artur across his own penalty area, uh, weakly hit. And uh, Benevento had one shot on target. They didn't need any more uh, and they won the game. Q says, I didn't just love Benevento getting the one up over Juve, but also a fan of their spooky badge. What's the story behind this? Ah, Listrege. Yeah, the witches. Um, because they're from a part of Italy, what, just to the, just inland from Naples, where you know, it's, it's famous for having sort of witches uh, around it there. Um, so, so, yeah, I suppose they bewitched the old lady. Right. Um, the Juve are wondering which manager. You know, it might be the way to go. Because you mentioned Allegri being back. Of course, he was asked about whether he would go back to Turin. Uh, Richard David Pike saying uh, last summer, maybe should they have thought thought about Roberto De Zerbi after the job he's done at Sassuolo? What, what is the position now after last week's backing from Juve of, of Pirlo and the Pirlo project? Do you think that uh, he will still be there next season? Well, they've, they're saying a lot of the same things that they said this time last year about uh, about Sarri, which is, uh, is he in doubt? Absolutely not. No way. He will be our manager next year. That is very much the public face of, of Juventus at the moment. I thought it was it was pretty significant that, that um, Fabio Padatici, the, the chief football officer of Juventus, he actually came out and spoke before Pirlo after the game and, uh, and said, um, yeah, people say this is the end of an era. Well, there's been lots of ends of an era since I've been at uh, the club. We've always rebuilt. Transitions don't exist. We started this project 18 months ago, this new one, where we've gone in a very different direction from Conte and Allegri. Uh, we're standing by it, even though we changed changed Sarri. But I think there's some really big decisions to be made at Juventus um, over the next few weeks. Um, for example, Paratici, who is the, the sporting director, I suppose his contract is up at the, the end of the season and it hasn't been extended so far. So he'll be calling the shots um, in, the, in the transfer window. Pirlo of the next ten games, um, I think he has to con- convince not not so much the 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 higher ups, but also the players that this project uh, does have a future and is going somewhere. Um, and then, of course, they've got the the contracts of Ronaldo and Dybala, which which will be up in in June twenty twenty two. So it feels like it's a it's going to be a very pivotal end of season uh, for Juventus, where they kind of they once again decide whether. Uh, what they embarked on 18 months ago where they, they tried to get the team to be younger, more finesse, kind of collective pressing based, even though you've got Cristiano Ronaldo up top and it's very difficult to implement that kind of style when you've got the supreme individual kind of conditioning uh, everything and everyone around him. So I think it's it's going to be another summer where you're going to just have some really, really big decisions to make. Mm. Well, uh, Benevento, by the way, are a whopping seven points clear of the drop. With that victory, as for Juve, they're by no means guaranteed a top four place. They're in third spot at the moment. But Napoli, after Napoli's 2-0 win Sunday over Roma at the Stadio Olimpico, are only two points behind. Roma, who are, James, Italy's last representative in Europe. Uh, Not a great performance this against a big side, particularly for a team that's about to face Ajax in the Europa League. Yeah, I think the, the the price that Roma are paying for being in Europe is that they're knackered on the Sunday um, from from playing these Thursday games because you know they they've they've been very good since the turn of the year and all of a sudden the Europa League's been back. They played well. They've knocked out Braga. They were brilliant against Shakhtar, particularly in the first leg. 
And either side of those games against uh, Paolo Fonseca's former club, yeah, they've lost. Um, and I think this weekend's uh, game against uh, Napoli, who'd yeah, sort of been knocked out the round around earlier in the Europa League, they looked fresher for it. Napoli are, are in banging form at the moment because they've got Mertens back. Uh, Mertens had scored just one goal in 2021. Uh, prior to Sunday night, wonderful free kick and even a header as well. I mean, that was quite embarrassing for Rome in the first half to concede a header to to Mertens. Um, um, but it seems that in Napoli now are very much on the charge, James. They're two points behind uh, Juventus that they have to play Juventus in that remaining game in hand. Uh, for Roma at the moment, yeah, they've played a game more than Juventus and Napoli in a five points off fourth place. So at the moment, it looks like winning the Europa League might become their best route into the Champions League. We could be seeing Thursday night football in Turin. This is very, very exciting. <laughs> As for Roma's draw with Ajax, what, what do you think? Ajax, I'm not sure if anyone's been across their fortunes of late. They won 5-0 against Den Haag this weekend. They're currently 11 points clear at the top of their Eredivisie. They haven't lost a game since the 9th of December. That's 21 matches, 18 wins and three draws uh, since then. Their goal difference in the Eredivisie is currently plus 64. <laughs> and Brian Broby played and scored as well, by the way, mm. which is good, I think, because they could have easily said, you know what, you didn't want to extend with us. You decided to go to Leipzig on the free as well at the end of the season. So we're going to leave you either with a reserve or on the bench or whatever. And he actually is playing so well. And, and they also have uh, the new right-back, Denvin Wrench, who's 18, who's sensational. So good luck, Roma. That's all yeah, I want but to Roma say. Yeah, Roma looked good against Shakhtar, I must say. They did. They did. And also, Jules, you should know this, that one of the reasons why they've suffered of late is because your boy Jordan Vertu is, yeah. is, is out injured. And he's in double figures for, for goals this season. Mkhitaryan's currently out injured as well. Um, Jekyll, when he had that kind of clash with Fonseca and Fonseca decided to go with Borja Mayoral, they patched things up, but it seems to have affected Jekyll's form in that he, he hasn't scored in 13 games. But I agree with Raf. I think Roma have on the whole played well. I suppose the one thing that you're, you're worried about with them is if, if their Serie A form is anything to go by against the top sides, um, then can they overcome this Ajax team, which recently has more European experience in the Champions League than they do? Mm. Although both Champions League semi-finalists, of course, in recent years. Mm. Huh. Uh, to conclude, for now, I'll talk about Italian stuff. Uh, let's address Milan's trip to Florence. Uh, Inter's game against Sassuolo being postponed because of uh, positive COVID-19 tests. So Milan had a chance to close the gap a little and they took it, James. Yeah, they took it and they, it was a great game. I mean, the first half was brilliant. Um, I mean, when you're getting centre-backs hitting the post with backhill volleys, um, yeah, it, it doesn't really get much better than that, in my opinion. But uh, Zlatan well, was, they could was score back with the them. start. That, that would be better. <laughs> yeah. Fiorentina were pretty unhappy because uh, of the kind of body check that Zlatan did on uh, Petzeller before before the uh, the goal. But um, I think one of the things that really stood out about this, yeah, okay, Zlatan and Ribéry got the headlines because they both scored. It's 2005 but Milan's defence... It's too oh, shut up, Jules. Uh, but um, what was really impressive was Simon. That was the two centre backs at Milan. Uh, Simon Kier got two assists. The first one for for Zlatan over over the top, and then Tomori was kind of integral on the on the winning goal. No, I mean he, they're defending a high line. He steps out. He steps out of his defence, intercepts the ball, plays the pass forward, and uh, Chalinolu scores the the winner. 
Um, and I think that was the thing that was really impressive. Milan have won 12 of 14 games away from home this season. I mean, that's that's frankly ridiculous considering where they were. And, uh, and yeah, good to see them kind of bounce back from what was a, a very tight and unlucky elimination to, to Manchester United. All right, then. Next up, off to Iberia. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Okay, so Barcelona, crumbling husk of a team centred around an old and bitter Burefax bothering diva. No, that was last year. Now, Barcelona are back. Alvaro, that second half in Paris, and this weekend going to Real Sociedad and winning 6-1. What's going on? Well, I think that the second half in Paris, uh, the first half in Paris as well, uh, proved Barcelona that, you know, PSG beat them fair and square, but maybe they are not that far from uh, European royalty. And uh, the truth is that the team has improved a lot uh, lately. I think that at the beginning of the season, Barcelona had uh, four different crises, a team crisis, an institutional crisis, the Messi crisis and the financial crisis. Well, two of those are gone. Um, the Messi crisis, I think that uh, it's something that we will know the answer at some point soon, so there is no point in speculating. And the financial crisis is the only one that is left in Barcelona, and it's a strong one, of course. But the institutional crisis is gone, because Barcelona has a new president, and there is like a positive uh, vibe around him. And the team crisis is gone as well. I mean, this team beat Real Sociedad uh, this weekend, and it's true that Real Sociedad, uh, they have suffered some heavy defeats this season. Uh, one of the latest ones being against Manchester United at Anoeta. They lost 4-0 there against uh, Manchester United. But Barcelona basically did something very similar, playing very good football. And uh, they have collected uh, 48 points from the last 54 available. I mean, if they beat Valladolid uh, after the international break, they will complete a half of the season, 19 games, amassing 51 points, which is unbelievable. And uh, they are playing very well. Mm, I think that Ronald Koeman deserves a lot of praise for this because he started playing with three centre-backs. Uh, you know, Barcelona back in January was a team that uh, was topping a ranking of uh, defenders or players making mistakes that led directly to goals. So it was some Titi one day, it was Lenglet some other day, even Messi against Athletic Club Bilbao, just losing the ball in dangerous positions and the opponent just uh, punishing you. So I think Ronald Koeman understood that if Barcelona didn't have Piqué, 100%. Araujo is still gone. And uh, the likes of Lenglet and Mingueza weren't showing a lot of uh, confidence. Well, uh, basically, he populated the defense with more players, three centre-backs, and the plan is working very well. Uh, Frankie de Jong is uh, stepping up as a centre-back as well, which is something that uh, probably we wouldn't have expected. And uh, the team is playing really well. Sometimes we forget that Ronald Koeman is a manager who gave a chance to Juan Mata, who made David Villa better, who made David Silva much better when David Silva was only 21, 22, at Southampton, uh, he was uh, 
I think an instrumental uh, to make Virgil van Dijk and Sadio Mane better players too. And at Barcelona, he's managing to get the best of some players that at the beginning of the season didn't look so good. So if you compare how they started the season in September and where they are now, there has been such an improvement. Well, this victory coming on Ronald Koeman's birthday. Jules, how much did you enjoy uh, Barcelona's performance? Very much so, James. It was I thought it was brilliant. It was maybe Sergio Dest best ever game not just since he moved there but best ever game I thought Frankie de Jong in that position is so important because he's half of a centre-back half of a midfielder and he suits them so well to play like this so well done to Koeman I've been very critical of him earlier in the season when I think he deserved to be criticised but now like I've ever said we need to give him a lot of credit and his team because they've turned this round so well and and they're very much in the title race now and they can they can go and win it. They will obviously play Atleti as well as the Classico before the end of the season. So they will have their opportunity. All right. Four points behind as it stands. Atletico themselves getting a narrow win at home to Alaves. Largely thanks to their extraordinary keeper, Jan Oblak. What a save on that 86th-minute Yosalu penalty. Yes, I mean, he hadn't uh, saved a penalty for three years, Jan Oblak. That's the funny thing, that uh, he's got a little bit of a reputation in Spain uh, for being probably the best goalkeeper in La Liga, probably. But at the same time, since in the penalty shootouts in the Champions League finals in Real Madrid, he was unable to stop any penalty, to save any penalty, he got a little bit of this reputation. Three years not saving a penalty as well since 2018. So... He stepped up, and if Atletico de Madrid wins the title and they end up doing like a show reel of uh, what has been the best part of the season, this penalty has to be there because it was the 86th minute of the game. Uh, José Lu had the, the chance to, to score the penalty to get a draw for Alaves, which would have been really positive for them. And let's not forget where Atletico is coming from. I mean, after the tiger against Chelsea, which was really, really, really disappointing, Atletico de Madrid probably couldn't afford uh, a draw against uh, the team from Vitoria. And uh, thanks to Jan Oblak, they got this win. And if I may, I'm going to say something about a player from Alaves, because this is quite important as well. Lucas Pérez, former uh, Arsenal player, normally he should be starting for Alaves, but he is not even in the match day squad anymore. And they ask Abelardo about Lucas Pérez, and uh, he said that he is not interested uh, in talking about somebody who doesn't give his best. You know, I think that that may interest some of uh, Arsenal fans, because this is where Lucas Pérez is at. I mean, he's not even playing for Alaves. But anyway, a very important victory for Atletico de Madrid. They still have a four-point cushion, and, uh, you know, they look like the weakest team uh, from all the top three in La Liga. Real Madrid and Barcelona, they are little by little improving. I don't know where the improvement ceiling is going to be for them both. Probably Barcelona hasn't reached their own pinnacle. Real Madrid can improve a bit more. And Atletico de Madrid, at the minute, they are just suffering. Um, they find it very difficult to get the, the game by the scruff of the neck. Then you see that against Atletico Club Bilbao, against Levante, they were suffering until the very last minute, even against Alaves. And in the long run, I don't think that this is sustainable for them. I think that the international bre uh, break is a blessing for this team because they will be able to rest and hopefully the players who remain in the squad, they will be able to, to train as well with Simeone. OK. Uh, Real Madrid are in third place behind Barcelona and fourth are Sevilla still after their 1-1 draw at Valladolid. They were losing 1-0 to the 94th minute. But excitingly, for meme fans everywhere... Bono, the goalkeeper, scored for Sevilla. <laughs> yeah, it, it 30 seconds of you two puns, go. <laughs> <laughs> no, and they, they have compared this goal with uh, a goal from Palop, 
who scored a crucial goal for Sevilla in a Europa League tier like 13 years ago. Uh, and Bono, yeah, scored a, a fantastic goal. I mean, a very important goal for Sevilla. Not but it was a fantastic good as one well. It wasn't, it wasn't just the classic keeper comes up and lumps one in. It was, it was a proper goal. Yeah, because he, I believe that he was waiting for the ball in the right place. I mean, the, the play itself has a little bit of a Benny Hill uh, aura around it because uh, no player from Valladolid managed to clear the ball. They let it bounce next to the goal line as well. The ball hit the post and it reached Bono and uh, he scored this goal. It wasn't the best goal scored by a player of the city of Sevilla in the weekend because I have to mention Fekir's goal for Betis was beautiful. But this one that was definitely the most special because normally you, see, you don't see a goalkeeper scoring a goal. And you don't see a goalkeeper scoring a goal in a league game in the 28th match day of the season. That's pretty uncommon, isn't it? So normally goalkeepers don't go up uh, at this stage of the season, but he went and he scored this goal and Sevilla saved two points, which is uh, so important for them because they are still like, a, they got such a comfortable lead over the fifth qualified in La Liga that it's very difficult to think that they are going to miss out from the Champions League spot this season. All right, I don't remember that track, but nice anyway. <laughs> But yeah, nice, nice stuff for Sevilla. Next up, let's have a bit of league uh, Jules. Now that PSG are back on top. Place your bets. Welcome to Pep Roulette. Ta, I'm feeling confident today, me. So your selection, sir. To start off from blue number nine and ten. Seventeen as well, just behind the front two. Good luck, sir. Blue number seven, unlucky, sir. Sterling? He started last week. Predicting Pep's lineups can be tricky these days, but fortunately, with Paddy Power's Acker offer, if you don't get one leg of your four plus fold Acker right, we'll give you your money back as a free bet. Paddy Power! Max free bet £10, mid on 25 on each leg, on an exclusive exclude shop bets, excludes enhanced match odds, season season supply, 18 plus, big On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Jules! Paris Saint-Germain are back on top. 4-2 winners at Lyon. Big win, this, after the previous weekend's disaster against Nantes and against Lyon, another side that had already beaten them this league earned season. You called this the best performance of their campaign. Yeah, definitely in Ligue 1 with, with the first leg against Barcelona, if you count every competition. It has been a good week because they won in, in the French Cup in midweek against Lille, the, the, current, the, the former leaders. A 3-0 in, in another very convincing game, but it was the curb. Both teams made changes, but this time people were waiting to see what PSG can offer away at Lyon, where, where historically they don't do really well. I mean, Thomas Tuchel lost there, Unai Emery lost there, Laurent Blanc lost there. So there was a lot of pressure on them and it was just almost perfect for more than an hour. They were so good with the ball to start with. Um, Danilo Pereira started in midfield instead of Paredes because Paredes would be suspended against Bayern. So I think Pochettino in a game, not similar to the Bayern one, but certainly as, as with, with high pressure and high expectation to the Bayern one, he wanted to see Danilo, who had a fantastic game, maybe his best game since he joined PSG in the summer. Um, they were really good without the ball in, in the, the pressing, the counter-pressing, in, in the positioning as well. It was, it was all perfect. Then they, they took the eye of the ball, Kylian Mbappé left the pitch after scoring his second goal, which took him to 100 goals in Ligue 1, only 22 years of age, younger than anyone else in the five big leagues to score 100 goals domestically. So well done to him. But yeah, it was just, it was just perfect. Variety was, was really on another level. So it was really good. And Pochettino, who we said before, the, the jury was still a bit out on him because since he arrived, we, we hadn't really seen anything much better than what Tuchel did before, but certainly on Sunday, it was very, very convincing. 
All right. And Neymar returning for the last 20 minutes as well. He shaved his beard, which makes him look much younger and lighter as well. But that was good because he obviously is not going to play with Brazil because Brazil don't have any games during this international break like all the South American teams, which means mm. he has the next game, which is against Lille, straight after the international break to play. And then he's the Bayern first leg. So there'll be Robert in Paris that he won't have much time to get fit, match fit, to get match fit, which is a bit of a shame, but at least everything around was, was perfect. Okay. Is there any sister's uh, birthday or anything coming up? Uh, this one has gone already. Shame. Yeah, shame, it's a shame. shame. Yeah. But you can beat Bayern for her. It'd be a great present. Mm. Well, very impressive from Paris Saint-Germain, but still need to keep an eye on one or two of their rivals, including Monaco, who continue to impress. Monaco now, the top-scoring team in Ligue 1 since the turn of the year, thanks to another four goals in their victory uh, this uh, weekend away at Saint-Étienne. It was 4-0 for Monaco. Jules, I know you want to talk about Aurelien Chumani. <laughs> too too many. many. Yeah, uh, too Daniel many. Greenfield wants to ask you actually who of the big European clubs is most likely to swoop for a Schumann this summer? And is Dennis Zakaria a viable alternative for any potential suitors? Thanks all, says Daniel. Very polite. <laughs> uh, I will let Rafa talk about Zakaria, uh, who is a bit older, to be fair, than, than Chouameni, who's only 20, uh, 21, and who's been fantastic this season for, for Monaco in Ligue 1, maybe the best defensive midfielder that we have in the league. The, just the all-around play, not just defensively, but he, he scored a great goal. He gave a, a wonderful assist as well to Stefan Jovetic in that game on Friday night. There's just, just nothing he cannot do on a pitch, but he's so he's such a team player. He's so dedicated to his team, to working hard, and I think that comes from, from Kovac, who's really transformed this game this season. That I think there is, the future is so bright for him. Chelsea are the ones really who, from a very very early in the season, have, have been watching him very, very closely. But, but I believe there's, there's many other big clubs in Europe who are looking at him. He moved from Bordeaux to Monaco a, year, a, bit, a bit over a year ago for what, 80 million euros, I think it was. He's easily worth two and a half the price now. Uh, but I think he's going to be so good that he's... It's almost a bargain for anyone who wants to go. So he was fantastic on Friday. Again, I was really... Even me, who's I've watched almost all these games, I'm still impressed sometimes when I see him in, at that kind of level where he's just so much above everybody else on the pitch. That fantastic. What, what, Im- what impressed you particularly this Friday then, Jules? Again, the goal is called because he gets in, in those positions now. Uh, same with the assist for Jovetic on the first goal where it's a little flick from the outside of his foot. He's, he's seen the game before everybody else. He knew exactly the movement that Jovetic will, will do. He knew exactly where he was on the pitch. His awareness was fantastic. And then all the, the defensive work. I mean, he gets the ball back so much. He's, he's so commanding in his position with the ball, without the ball. He's just an incredible talent for someone who's so young and yet so intelligent. I think for any club, it would be a, a great pick. Okay. Uh, and Jules, what about um, another signing uh, that has been made um, from Leipzig? They love French defenders. Yeah. Centre-backs, Upamecano is off, but in is uh, Simakon. How yeah, good is Mohamed he? Simakon. Yeah, he's, he's, again, he's been fantastic with Strasbourg. He had a, a, a knee injury that I think stopped him in December. For well, Probably he would have moved either to Milan or to Leipzig in January, so he would, he would have finished the season with them. So that stopped him a little bit, but he's only 20. came from the same small club near Marseille, Belair, then, then Wesley Fofana, uh, uh, Leicester. And he's just one of those super powerful, super quick defenders who can play centrally or right back. 
but also has that technical ability and that super confidence. I think it's a fun for for what 17 million or 18 million euros. It's a great signing again for Leipzig, who uh, could have him either replacing Upamecano or Konati if Konati leaves, or can be another player right back with Mukiele and and the other players who can play wing back or right back. It's just it's just a, a, a wonderful young player who's a key in the French under 21. Uh, national team already and who again has a great future ahead of him all right Rafa by the way quick word on Dennis Zakaria for Daniel Greenfield I mean Zakaria has been a very hot prospect now for a couple of years but unfortunately he suffered a a, a big injury at the first half of the season hasn't really quite come back as strong uh, as usual has been in and out of the team but there is a lot of potential there and he might need another year playing regularly in the season maybe under Xabi Alonso next year at Gladbach, before we'll see uh, the best of him again. Wow. That, of course, the big breaking news on Monday in European football circles about Xavi Alonso joining up with Borussia Mönchengladbach. Is it any more reliable than the managerial rumours that Rafa brought us last week? We'll be discussing that later on. But a couple of questions here for uh, Jules, who's been very popular in the postbag uh, this week, Tom Bowdery would like to know, is the Lille collapse of form recently a sign that a lot of their players will be off in the summer? That's a good question. I think the collapse is, it's about they've played too many games. It's 18 already since the start of 2021. They they look tired on, on Sunday against Nîmes. Nîmes who are fighting against relegation, who had a really good game plan. They were really aggressive the in midfield. The Crocs, exactly. The Crocodile. Uh, and and they were very efficient and, and Lille struggled to create chances they had Noe Kone who was a last minute um, uh, injury that could not play and, and, I, and I just think that you get to this stage of the season now where, where either experience which Lille don't really have because they've never been or such, most of those players have never been in, the, in this kind of title race really tight with three other teams or fitness which again they don't have because they play far more than a Lyon or Monaco for example or one or two super players who can make the difference for you when you're really, when you're really struggling. Which again, they might have on better days, but they didn't have against Neiman and Baden. I think they're going to try, especially if they win the league or finish finishing the top three to and qualify for the Champions League to keep the core of that team. But we know already that because it's their business model, that some they will sell some like they did last season with Ozimen, for example, or Gabriel. It will be very similar. Maybe someone like Boubacar Soumare could go, or Renato Sanchez could go. Um, there will be a f- at least two, maybe three, who will go for a lot of money. Well, a lot of money in, in COVID, COVID time. But, so, but, but that would not be because they didn't win the league if they don't win it. It would be because that's their business model and that's what they have to do. Right. OK. Uh, also, a lot of people demanding that we discuss Amon Lorientes, <laughs> free kick for Lorient at Nantes. Paint a picture for us, Jules, for anyone who hasn't seen this. Yeah, he's 37 uh, metres uh, away from the goal so I think in yards I'm not really sure one of you will have to help me I'm not even sure what a yard is to be fair compared to metres but let's stick to metres yeah 37 metres which is a long long way out and we're playing the last few minutes of the game Lorient are 1-0 down in a big clash against Nantes one is a derby and two they're both fighting against relegation and Lorient who has had a habit this season to score great goals he scored another great free kick a month ago last week he he gave an incredible assist after dribbling past four players. And apparently he tries those a lot of training. And he tried a Juninho-esque or Ronaldo-esque, Cristiano Ronaldo-esque kind of free kick with the 
No, Cristiano Ronaldo-esque. Well, no. <laughs> they would have hit least, the wall. But they hit yeah, the wall. At least when he used to score them, you know, in his United years. And just the ball had that weird trajectory in the air where he goes really high. And yeah, then deep, it goes so high. Yeah, he goes really so... high. And then falls straight in. Right. It's a sort of goal you'll only see in France. So, Put it this way. by the way... Atlantic wins. <laughs> I can't believe you're seeing freaky takers like this. Felix Hill called it a knuckle boy. He says it has no place in football. Only what? possible because of Sports Direct beach balls. Who is this lottery shot fluke fancier? Uh, and there's more. Michael Cox says, I agree with Felix completely. I can't see how we can really celebrate that as genius. I bet the bloke will try to take free kicks like that for the rest of the season and blast 95% over the bar. Thing is, though, he does this quite a lot, doesn't he, Loriente? Yeah. yeah, he does. And I, we saw a similar one at Montpellier as well, Junior Sambia scoring not from as far. It was only 29 metres. But the ball had a very similar trajectory and went straight into the top corner. I, I, I think Juninho scored the same goals 15 years ago and no one mentioned the ball. So I don't know, maybe Michael Cox and his friend Felix should watch former games as well because <laughs> I, I'm not really sure where it comes from. Of course, Lafont, the non-goalkeeper, could have maybe done better. I just don't think you expect... Just a bit, didn't expect ...this it. kind of trajectory. But mm. in Ligue 1 this season, 16 direct free kicks have been scored, which is the most in the five big leagues. I think Serie A and Bundesliga... Yeah. No, Serie A and Bundesliga have 12, uh, mm. Premier League 11, and I think... In Spain, because they're not very good technically, they can't score free kicks. I think they only got <laughs> nine or some something like some numbers <laughs> like this. The, you know, the goalkeeper know. had half of the them goal... being from Messi too, so you know it doesn't. The count. goalkeeper had very little time to react because the ball was only in the air for about twenty. <laughs> no, but it is, it's, it's utterly <laughs> shocking. I mean, the, the French commentator as well. This is his reaction. Completely, even though you can see it sailing in from Mars and Mars, it's, it's one of those, it couldn't, could it? Oh my word, it has type type kicks. Yeah, you're right. And to finish his day, on, so he scored that goal on uh, Sunday, he was called up with the French under-21 team to replace uh, Moussa Diaby, who's uh, just tested positive for COVID. So Diaby won't be able to go to the Euros or the first part of the under-21 Euros that start this week. Uh, so Loriente, on top of that amazing goal, also got, got a call up for the uh, under-21 Euros. So great Sunday for him. Brilliant. Nice bit of nominative determinism as well. He's Loriente, and who's he play for? For Lorient, a bit like Arsene Wenger and Arsenal, I guess. Very much Is, so. is he worth it, though? No. I'd say he is. <laughs> I'd say oh, he God. is. He wishes he has uh, your hair, Horny. Oh, he doesn't. He really doesn't. But I love players like this. I mean, there's a kid at Cremonese at the moment in Serie B whose last two goals, yeah. and he doesn't score many of them. They're a year apart. I don't know if you've seen this, James. His last two goals have been from inside his own half. It's no, become so 65 his yards probably, Jules, uh, last week. We, we talked <laughs> about this on this Thursday. Out. It was extraordinary. It really was. And what's amazing is, I mean, he properly uh, Stankovic's it. No? It's, a, yeah. it's a volley. So the goalkeeper just punts it upfield. You know, wow. just thinks, oh, I'll clear this, clear my lines, whatever. And it comes back to him with a vengeance. But we, we cannot underestimate the, the set pieces, I think, because I remember so many players who have been crucial for a team to win a title or a league uh, just because they were great in that speciality. For example, Barcelona won their first ever Champions League or Copa de Europa with a Ronald Koeman free kick. Atletico de Madrid, I remember they won a title with Milinko Pantic, which probably you won't remember, 
being a player who provided more than 10 assists from free, uh, free kicks or set pieces and scoring many free kicks as well. So, you know, I don't understand why teams don't go always for an specialist in this because there are some players that at the end of the day they are making the difference in there. Uh, set pieces are happening a lot lately. And uh, in La Liga, Oscar Rodriguez or Bardi for Levante, there are those players who are easily giving their clubs five or ten points at the end of the season in this speciality. Mm. Who's, the, who's the best free kick taker right now? In La Liga. Mm. Uh, Enis Bardi from Levante and Lionel Messi. Uh, the thing is that Lionel Messi, I think that he hasn't been as good this season and he as he was last season, but he's still one of the best specialists in the world, of course. Rafa? I don't know. Um, thinking about this, um, Alaba is pretty good. Lewandowski is pretty good. Sancho is pretty good. I mean, there might be one sort of out-and-out genius, but if there is, I can't think of it at the moment. Okay. Jules, obviously, we know it's Loriente for yeah. Liga. Yeah. 100%. All right. And James? Well, it used to be Pjanic, and then Cristiano came along, didn't he? And Cristiano decided <laughs> that he was going to take all the free kicks, even though he's he's only scored one in 78 since since moving to Juventus. Um, since they changed the balls, that's what did it. But we had three free kicks going uh, in the in Serie A this weekend. The best was Pulgar's for Fiorentina, oh, yeah. which Very was unsavable against Donnarumma. Yeah, very Don't nice. you think, Jules, that Neymar is fantastic as well at free kicks? At Barcelona, yeah. he didn't take more because Messi was there, but he's really good. Oh, he's really good. I mean, he scored one against Bordeaux two seasons ago from 35 yards. Incredible. And no one can argue with the trajectory of that one. But this weekend, we have to give him to Lorienté for that, for, for, you know, for his goal and his effort. But now there have been a few. There have been a few. Some clubs work at it more than others. Direct free kicks. Some players do, you know, a lot. Uh, but, I mean... Sergio Oliveira showed against Juventus that you you could also try to be a bit sneaky and, and score mm. it too. It doesn't have to be like Loriente. Yeah, times. although whether that was his skill or the abject wall that Juve put up <laughs> yeah, is a, a matter for some debate. All right, well, next up, at last, it's time to talk Bundesliga. We're sponsored for this episode of the Totally Football Show by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, which is up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to The Totally Football Show, you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash totally, all in lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash totally to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash totally. We're all driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
and Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. According to their own survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Remember the last time you were hiring and how slow and overwhelming it was? Well, you don't need to go through all that again. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. And because you listen to The Totally Football Show, Indeed is going to give you a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash totally. That's I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash totally. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed at Indeed.com. You're listening to The Totally Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power. All right, Rafa, Rangnick to Schalke, uh, no. Flick to the national side, maybe not. But Xavi Alonso's joining Borussia Mönchengladbach. Is this for real? Maybe. Uh, at the time of recording, this has not been officially confirmed. Uh, Bild had the story on Monday morning. The club have not, by the time we recorded it on Monday, had, hadn't confirmed it yet. It would be a really interesting appointment and one that it would excite uh, the Gladbach fans and, of course, all fans of Satorily um, stylish men in, in football and beyond. It's worked for Pirlo. Mm. Yeah, Scott I, I, ta- I take your point. Um, Alonso's interesting. Even two years ago when Bayern were looking for a successor to Jupp Heynckes, or two and a half years ago, Xabi Alonso was somebody that Bayern thought and talked about because he had left such a good impression as a player and was, I think, already thinking and talking like a coach that they thought even with very limited to no experience, he might be ready to to take the job. In the end, they went f- for Niko Kovac and we know all the, the consequences of that. Um, and I guess Max Eber, the sporting director, had a similar idea. He talked to a lot of people. I don't think uh, Xabi Alonso was necessarily the first and only person he talked to, but it would make for a very, very interesting appointment. Um, risky to a certain extent to have a novice at this level start start in the Bundesliga, start with a team that uh, needs a lot of direction and needs a lot of help after a bad season or relatively bad season. But at the same time, I think he would there would be a tremendous amount of goodwill towards him because even at Gladbach, who have no great relationship with Bayern one way or the other these days, I think he left a very good impression just because of the way he carried himself on the pitch and was such a hugely impressive figure in those three years in Munich. So more recently, Alvaro, he's been in charge of Real Sociedad's second team. Sanse, yeah, it's, uh, it's called, uh, it's an abbreviation of San Sebastian, but it's a Real Sociedad B team, you're absolutely right. And they... They are doing quite well this weekend. In fact, they beat Athletic Bilbao B at Lezama, at our training ground, and they will play the playoff uh, to promote to the Spanish second division. So, yeah, uh, he has been doing really well. And I was watching a little bit some of his profile videos at uh, The Coach's Voice, one very interesting platform. And he was talking a little bit about the style he wants to implement and all that. He seems to be quite flexible. And he likes playing with a four-man defense, with a three-man defense. He wants to attack and he wants basically to take the initiative of the game. So I think that even though he has had many managers, the likes of Benitez, Mourinho, Guardiola, it looks like he is quite keen to have the control of the game as well. Well, Borussia Mönchengladbach, where Xavi Alonso may or may not be going, ending uh, this weekend their seven-game losing streak uh, with a 3-0 victory at Schalke, which counts, I guess. Uh, Schalke, meantime, getting this 
blow, Rafa, that, that Ralph Ragnick is not going to come in to uh, sort everything out for them. Uh, what happened there? And have has Hansi Flick been told he can't head off to take up the uh, the national team job as well? What happened with Rangnick was that he had talks with uh, a group of opposition um, members and investors and, and potential candidates for the supervisory board who all wanted to make him sort of the, the, the face of their movement and, and get him in and come in on his wings, uh, as it were. And then the real supervisory board was spurred into action, also held talks with him or um, more accurately with his agent on Thursday. And those talks went reasonably well. But on Saturday, Rangnick uh, decided that it's not for him. And I think there's effectively three reasons. One, I think the numbers were quite frightening, just how little money Schalke will have next season uh, with a lot of players still under contract from their first Bundesliga, but of course with much more limited income. Uh, secondly, I think he really disliked the amount of, even by Schalke standards, uh, leaks coming out. Every talk, every number uh, was immediately in the newspapers. Um, but most importantly, I think there was a sense that you can't really talk to Schalke as a club because nobody knows what that club is at the moment. You have two parties vying for control. You have a restructuring, possibly, with the club being... Um, moving away from that socio model with directed board members, etc., maybe to a corporation model, which will still be owned by the members like Bayern and, and most clubs, but um, have a very different sort of structure. But nobody knows how these things are going to pan out. And I think for him to sign up now with so much uncertainty, just felt, no, you know what, this is, this is a little bit too much for me. And of course, as you mentioned, the Flick um, story, plays a part into that as well, possibly because he was told by Rummenigge that he's not allowed to leave. Whether that will still remain is we'll have to see. If you know, if he were to to win the, the, another Champions League, say for argument's sake, he might still walk away, and there's not a lot I think Bayern could do at that point um, to force him to stay. So it looks as if Flick's not available, and it looks as if the Nagelsmann by uh, extension will will stay and might not be available for Bayern either. But I think it's a little bit too early to know how these things will fall out. There's still a lot of room for manoeuvre in all sorts of different directions. Slipping in their bid for a top four place are Borussia Dortmund, who were held to a 2-2 draw by Cologne this weekend. Uh, Erling Haaland scoring twice, opening the scoring, concluding the scoring with an equaliser and then storming off the pitch and down the tunnel. Rafa, of course, this has caused all sorts of comments. Yeah, he made it very obvious that he was unhappy with the team or with the performance. And I think that's that's something that we hadn't seen from him before. And I think he mumbled under his breath about, you know, things being effing and so on, not quite good enough. And when you're Dortmund... I've done the same course, with this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> when you turn up, James, uh, the, the question... It is, um, it is worrying for Dortmund because he's become... So important for them. He has gone within the space of 14 months to be the most important Dortmund player. And to see him, at least momentarily, sort of disassociate himself from the team and think and kind of effectively saying, you know, these, these guys are not good enough for me. Or at least you can see it that way. 
is is a concern because Dortmund know and braced themselves for offers coming in. I don't think we'll see a big market this summer for players moving, especially at that level. But I think he might be the exception. And Dortmund will try, I think, to prevent that. But if they don't qualify for the Champions League, as we said earlier, they might not be in a position to do so. So with huge games for them coming up, City and uh, and Frankfurt in the Bundesliga, you'd hope that by the time the internationals are over, his his attitude would have changed. And people believe it will because he's been a model professional and I think he will still concentrate and, and focus very hard. But if it's the beginning of sort of a estrangement, if you will, it is something that Dortmund will, will be very unhappy about. Rafi, we had a report on The Athletic, Nick Laurie Whitwell, our Man United reporter, had it that there's a clause in Haaland's contract, 75 million euro, uh, not this summer, but the following summer. Doesn't that incentivize Dortmund, if they are going to sell him, to sell him this summer? Because surely he's worth more than that 75 million euro buyout clause. Well, you have to you have to be very careful how you calculate this. I mean, you could say, okay, if somebody wants to bid 120, 130 million euros now, would you not take it rather than sell him for 75 next year? But then you have to think, okay, how much are these goals worth? Are they worth Champions League qualification? You know, how much is Champions League qualification worth for us? What does it mean if we sell Sancho? Sorry, they might sell Sancho as well. But what does it mean if we sell sell Haaland? What, what message does it send? Is it not better for, for us for political reasons to make him stay in, in, in inverted commas and at least have another strong push next year to see if we can, you know, achieve something? So I don't think it's, it's quite as straightforward. It's not just the money um, that they might lose if they sell him the next year, but they will also um, have to calculate these other figures. I mean, just to, to play devil's advocate or to run with your argument a little bit, of course, if they were to do that, and have suddenly 120, maybe 130, maybe 150 million euros in the bank in this market would, of course, perhaps put them in a very strong position to replenish um, the squad. So I'm sure they'd be thinking about it, but everything I've heard suggests that they really want to fight very hard to make him stay at least that one more year. Okay. Up top in the Bundesliga, Bayern Munich remain four points clear of RB Leipzig, who, as we mentioned, they'll be meeting in their first game back from the international break. Uh, Bayern with a 4-0 win over Stuttgart at the weekend, with Lewandowski closing in on the record. Not far to go now, Rafa. Five goals. Why are you laughing? (laughs) Why are you laughing? You're poking fun at Gerd Müller's yeah. all-time record. No. Of he tweeted, he tweeted Farmers League. On Saturday, yeah. he tweeted uh, Farmers League. I, I, I oh. think we need, you know, you know uh, uh, perhaps the Bundesliga was, was less attacking in Gerd's day and, uh, uh, and, and the league and Bayern didn't have the kind of supremacy that they do now. It's not to take away from Lewandowski, you know, sort of maybe breaking different this balls. record. But, you know, I mean, <laughs> different balls. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> goalkeepers, so goalkeepers mean. not having You're to play so with their mean. feet. Defenses actually defending rather so than this mean. kind of mad transition, transition, transition you get in the Bundesliga these yeah. days. You know, I think you are trying to take away from his achievement. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm playing devil's now, all, advocate. Ralph. Yeah, all I'm the just, things you said. Are, all the things you said are true, of course. And it might be that pandemic football maybe is more geared towards strikers scoring lots of goals. I don't know if that's a factor. Um, 
But right. if you look at the average amount of goals that the top scorers have scored over the years, over the last 50 years, still no one's ever come close, you know, aside from all these issues. So it is still, if it happens, a, a very significant achievement. But of course, yes, it does reflect Bayern's, Bayern's position and dominance, as does, of course, the fact that they can play with 10 men for 78 minutes right. and still <laughs> well, so, 10 mm. men on the pitch. I was watching, obviously, the day after the draw, and I saw the red card, and I was like, oh, hello, come on, this is where they start crumbling, then they've got a few injuries, international break, and then we knock them out. So, 11 minutes in, Alfonso Davis had a yellow card that was then upgraded by VAR to red. Uh, Bayern struggled to deal with this, uh, scoring th- <laughs> for a few minutes. <laughs> Three goals in the next five minutes, basically. <laughs> Unbelievable! <laughs> they were and this is, this is not a bad time. Stuttgart side. This is a no. this is a pretty good Stuttgart team. So they weren't playing, you know, the the, the, the I don't know uh, Bundesliga two side or, or relegation candidate. But Stuttgart, I think, didn't know what to do. They just found themselves warming up, and they thought, okay, w- w- what do we do here? And Bayern just thought, okay, fine, you know, we're just going to now show you what's what's what, and they really. Played some some very very good stuff. Stuttgart had an 18 year old uh, midfielder. He was making his professional debut. Uh, Ahamada, uh, another French player, not from Paris but from Marseille. Jules. Yeah, I know. And he was just he was just overwhelmed by these waves of attack. Even with one man down, Bayern felt as if they had. It's strange for Ahamada to be pitch. overwhelmed by waves, ah, but ah, by smaller yeah. forces. Ah, yeah. oh, brilliant. <laughs> Yes. He yes. was all at sea. <laughs> oh, yes, God. yes. Um, it it turned into Trafalgar for Stuttgart very quickly. Nice. And nice. Have you written and a column on it? I have not put this bind. I feel I should put this bind performance on a pedestal. Nice. Oh. Um, <laughs> anyway. Pedestal. Pedestal. Yep. Anyway. Um, so, but yes. Hmm. So. They didn't serve beef Wellington at halftime, but no, that's a. He could never get into his his groove, Hamad. Is that the wrong? Is that the wrong general, Wellington? It kind of yeah. It's it's not um, because he was Napoleon, right? Yeah. He fought. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. Forget beef Wellington. Right. Um, Passport withdrawn. (laughs) So um, and 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 Bayern ran out for four nil winners. All right. Very good. So um, just to. You know, get this clear. Lewandowski is now five goals from tying Gerd Muller's record, which has stood for 40, 40 years. How long now, Rafa? Nearly 50. Nearly 50. 71, years. 72. Okay. And he's got eight games to try and break it. Good Lord. It's going to be interesting. And of course, the first game back, as we mentioned, is Leipzig. So now, uh, before any of that, we've got internationals. Who's everybody facing? Italy have Northern Ireland on Thursday. Jules, who have France got? Uh, Ukraine on, on Wednesday at home. And then they travel to Kazakhstan to play at the weekend. And then Bosnia on the way back. It's a bit, they, they're a bit unhappy with the schedule. Uh, Kazakhstan on a uh, 3G pitch as well. Mm. And then Bosnia on the way back. So Deschamps already said today, we won't train. We're just going to play and just try to, to be as efficient as we can in the three games. All right. Well, what about Spain, Alvaro? We are facing uh, Greece, uh, Georgia and Kosovo. Okay. 
Okay. And Rafa, who did Germany have? We've got Iceland, Romania, and Northern Macedonia. Crikey. It's it's very much Northern Ireland, Italy, that stands out for me from, from that, James. Any any headlines about the Azuri, the latest uh, squad for the Azuri? Well, I suppose there's one that Daniel De Rossi is going to be a part of Roberto Mancini's staff. Um, De Rossi is currently doing his coaching badges, had been linked with the Fiorentina job um, at one stage. Um, and I think there are two new faces in the Italy squad. One is a kind of classic of the Italian kind of uh, uh, way of going about recruiting no, their really national Italian. team players was Rafael no, really Toloi, the, 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 the Brazilian who's uh, naturalised Italian uh, from Atalanta getting uh, getting his first call-up. So, um, so yeah, so we'll, we'll have to see what, uh, what goes down. And equally, AC... Uh, at Azuri Four Stars, would like to know if you guys have any players to look out for in the Euro Under Twenty One Championships, which uh, start this week, as you mentioned. Jules. Yeah, I've got a few. I mean, France lost uh, Diaby, as we said. They're all from Paris. Paris. They're not all from Paris, but as you know, a lot of them are. Uh, but but as we said, Moussa Diaby, who's Paris born and bred, has COVID, so can't go. Usemawa uh, uh, from Lyon. Has a, has a muscular injury, so he can't make it either, which is a shame. Although the second part of this Euros, as you know, is at the end of the season. So those players who don't play in the group stage will still be able to play in the quarterfinals. That's my point, James. You have two squads, basically. Sorry, right. Instead of just one. So it's not, it's not too bad. But the French have Wesley Fofana and so many talent. I mean, Guiri, who's having a wonderful season with Nice in Ligue 1. We've packed with talent everywhere. Good luck to whoever wants to stop us. Uh, the the uh, defending champions Spain uh, maybe we are not France but we we are not bad at this uh, have a player that I've never spoken about in this show uh, but he's doing very well for Eibar to the point that uh, Luis Enrique the senior Spanish national team manager has capped uh, for the next uh, games uh, is Brian Hill I think that he will end up uh, playing for the uh, for Spain under 21 this summer, but he has been capped with the senior team and he is one of those players that is worth looking at because he's got not only a lot of ability, but he's quick, he's very daring, uh, he can do, uh, basically he can cause havoc and turmoil to any opponent's defense uh, from the wing or from the center and he is a very refreshing news for La Liga as well. And of course the other under 21, who is fantastic, is Pedri, but he will definitely play in the Euros for the senior team. And Ansu Fati, uh, who is so good that uh, probably he will never play for the under 21 again. Uh, hopefully he will recover from his injury very soon. All right. James and Rafa? Are Italy qualified? Of course they oh, qualified. Yes. So, They've been I'm good at sure youth anymore. level recently. They get to I'm the finals sure. of the under-17s and the under-19s. Okay, that's good to know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, looking at the under-21 list, I mean... I expect a lot of Sandro Tonali, who hasn't had a very good first season at Milan. Um, you've got, you know, I mean, if we want to sort of literally translate, uh, Matt Cage, uh, Matteo Gabbia uh, at the back, who's who's played more for, for Milan than he probably expected to. Um, you've got, uh, again, Marco, well. Marco Canisecchi, the goalkeeper, Mark uh, Meatdries, if you want to, if you want to put it like that. Uh, in goal for, for Cremonese, but all you know, all jokes aside, Scamacca played very well at the weekend. Scored uh, scored a brace, really nice uh, second goal against Parma. You know, he's kind of played at every level um, uh, now. Um, but you know, I would say the under twenty one side that they had in the last Euros, with you know, which was so stacked, was with Chiesa, Donnarumma, and uh, 
uh, everybody else was was probably stronger than this one. Mm. All right, Rafa. Oh, the under twenty ones. Oh no, they're so bad. You've got Mukoko. Um, Surely Mukoko is in, right? Yeah, Mukoko is in. in. Yeah, Muziala, is is Muziala in in there as well? Uh, Muziala's with the seniors. Oh, is yeah. he already? Okay. Yeah. Um, it's pretty underwhelming under twenty one because the, the best players have even not been picked or been fast tracked to the seniors, uh, like Jamal Muziala, for example. And you feel that it's not really taken that seriously that tournament. Uh, according to the uh, the lineup, anyway, that Germany have picked, it also reflects their issues. I think we've mentioned on the pod before that we have a bit of a talent gap at the moment. Uh, below the seniors, uh, there is a bit of a problem when it comes to really good players coming through. And the likes of Florian Wirtz, who's very exciting at 17, or Musiala, they they're already considered good enough to play or to at least um, spend time with the seniors, uh, which further detracts from what is a pretty shallow talent pool. I can, I can loan you Kunde if you want, or Konate, or Kamavinga, or Chouameni, or, you know... I, I mean, can, the French... I've got so many, I've got the so French much, are I can ridiculous. loan you guys. It is, it is true that the French have a ridiculous amount of talent. If we have a bad manager, though, that. so that's the only thing. We've Let's got see. a really bad manager. Let's see who wins it. Spain mm. has a lot of talent as well. Right. Uh, Jules, break it down for us very quickly, the format. Yeah, so of the competition, you mean? So the yep. group stages start, I think, on Wednesday. Uh, it's a Swiss system. It's a Swiss system. So FC Basel, Swiss League. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> group stages as normal uh, as you have in Switzerland. So they will each play three games now, this month. And then the top two of each group, like in the Swiss League, qualify for the quarterfinals that will be played at the end of the... Uh, at the end of the season so good luck to all the team uh, very much so very much so especially the French alright well because it's an international break we won't have a show next Tuesday we'll be dealing with all our international news from around the continent in the course of Monday morning's Totally Football show uh, hopefully getting some input from Rafa, James, Jules and Alvaro uh, but many thanks for being with us today uh, guys and best of luck to everyone's nations and their many uh, travels in the uh, days to come we'll be back with another Euro edition in two weeks time for now from all of us here it's goodbye you've been listening to the Totally Football Show part of the Athletic Podcast Network keep up to date with everything Totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and follow us at the Totally Show on Twitter and Insta check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad free on the Athletic app the Totally Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic.